Just the number of times my son comes in to see who's on the calls yeah. and, and to wave to wave to people regardless of the seriousness of the call. He's very curious. He likes to come in and peek his head up above the desk and see who's on the call. This is the Ag Bioscience Podcast with Agrinovis Indiana. Welcome and thank you for joining us. I'm Gary Dick, the host of Inside Indiana Business. And this week, pleased to be uh, joined by Bryce Carpenter. Bryce is the Vice President of Industry Engagement for Connexus Indiana. Bryce, thanks for taking time to be with us this week. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Connexus Indiana. It is an organization, a sister initiative of Agrinovis Indiana, and one that continues to make a big impact uh, in Indiana. Describe uh, the mission, if you will, uh, and what the organization, what Connexus Indiana does. We are focused exclusively on advanced manufacturing and logistics. So whether that's talent, technology, infrastructure, whatever makes advanced manufacturing and logistics, whatever helps it be in a position to be successful in the short term and the long term, that is our focus each and every day. Your background is an interesting one. You've been at Conexus in various roles, currently Vice President of Industry Engagement. You've been there for five years now. Talk about uh, kind of your path to uh, where you are today. I took a bit of a circuitous path, but I, it, you know, it, it prepared me sort of uniquely for this role. Uh, when I Graduated from college in 2004. I was an English history double major. So a little bit of everything, a lot of bit of nothing. Um, got into the political world right out of school, thinking that that was, that was the career I wanted to pursue. Spent a number of years from 2004 really to 2016 on political campaigns, organizations, a little bit of time spent in a governmental administration focused on education. 2016 really wanted to make a change, build on, a, on the skills that I had developed over those years, but apply it in a different manner. I was very fortunate to have a close friend at the time who was with Conexus, explain the organization, the purpose, the mission. I felt it was a great opportunity to make an impact, but to also you know, it was, it's a unique in, in all, whether it's Agrinovis, BioCrossroads, TechPoint, right. all of these organizations within CICP have a very unique and valuable mission. And I, and I thought it was an excellent opportunity to contribute to, uh, you know, critical industries in the state. And, you know, there's a bit of a learning deficit with just the complexity of, of logistics and then advanced manufacturing as the role grew. So I've been with Connexus since 2016, held three roles initially specific to the logistics council and now that's grown into the now created advanced manufacturing council which is a combination of our legacy aerospace and defense and automotive councils and and is much more diverse manufacturing group and then the logistics council as well certainly the advanced manufacturing and logistics sectors are two very critical sectors of the indiana economy connexus recently released its annual State of the Logistics Industry Report. There's a lot to talk about there, but if you kind of give us a bottom line, what, what are your big takeaways from this uh, from this report? Indiana continues to be a critical piece in the national economy, whether it's the manufacturing or the movement of goods. You know, the world runs through Indiana. $650 billion moves through Indiana each year. A third of our GDP is tied to advanced manufacturing and logistics, to put that into perspective. Indiana is more dependent on advanced manufacturing and logistics than Hawaii is tourism. Over half a million Hoosiers are employed in advanced manufacturing. But 
The biggest thing that caught my eye from this report was the continued sort of geographic diversity that we're seeing within the industry. A lot of times, you know, people incorrectly view central Indiana as sort of the economic hub for the state. But if you look at the growth of logistics and whether it's the announcement that was made in Fort Wayne, the development that's going on in Jeffersonville, you know, Terre Haute was actually recently included in a study that Terre Haute is the most geographically advantageous position to have a warehouse in the United States, believe it or not. They've done, wow. they've done, they've done this series of analysis and it's Terre Haute. So I think we'll continue to see that area grow. But Elkhart and all of these different areas throughout the state continue to be key to the state's overall economic success, which speaks well to the, the health of the state and sort of the prospects long-term. What you're saying is underscored by what we have seen in recent weeks in terms of uh, major announcements. You mentioned the Fort Wayne, the big uh, Amazon fulfillment center there. Apple with a big investment, investment $100 million west of Indianapolis in Clayton. And then really an advanced manufacturing and logistics story, if you think about Toyota and that $800 million investment in southwest Indiana. So to have big names, big corporate brands like that make significant commitments in Indiana, I've got to assume that it just adds to the credibility, if you will, of Indiana as a logistics hub. Absolutely. It, it gets eyeballs. It gets attention. And as we are talking with with new companies that are considering moving to the state, they recognize those names. There's a trust that if it's good for Apple, it's good for Toyota, it's good for me. Think back a year ago, last spring, the pandemic hit. Grocery store shelves uh, obviously emptied. Products were not available. Talk about how the industry, drill it down to Indiana, how the industry responded. What what this past year has been like from a supply chain standpoint. This past year has really been about realignment. Um, specific to you know the grocery stores and the food shelves, uh, we talked with a number of our partners. We have, you know, everything from Red Gold, Red Gold Transportation, and another a number of trucking companies. You know, all at once you had automotive plants shutting down. You had grocery demand because of restaurants being closed spiking. So trucking companies that had to had to pivot right away, change customer models, their trucking capacity almost, you know, which was already tight because of a driver shortage. You know, what was there was erased overnight. So it was all about realignment, people finding new opportunities, new ways to serve, you know, critical needs and bring their people back to work. Have there been some lessons learned out of this for the industry? I think folks in the ag bioscience space certainly have talked about that out of all of the negatives over the course of the past year, seeing some positives and, and some things that can benefit the industry going forward. Yeah, I think there's been a a ton of lessons learned, but if I had to highlight sort of three areas that I would point to first, it would be the opportunity to accelerate tech, tech deployment in your operations. Uh, you know, this, whether it's because of social distancing, access to people, um, opportunity, you know, that we've had a number of partners that said 60 years of tech adoption was done in six months. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. When the way that manufacturing and logistics operations, you know, they're not set up for social distancing inherently, right? So there is the opportunity to, if you're still trying to maximize your operations, is to is to integrate technology into your operations to sort of be able to space people out and reduce the headcount that's that's needed on a day-to-day basis. Business diversification was also a key lesson learned. There are a number of companies that for a number of years do this thing great. And then what happens when overnight that thing is not available? 
Think of a company like Mersix that has been in the auto parts supplier business for years and is, is a great partner up there in Muncie, had the opportunity to provide PPE for IU hospitals. They had the equipment. They didn't have the expertise. They were flexible. They quickly learned. And now they have a reoccurring vertical of their business and an ongoing contract with IU that's going to keep them in the PPE marketplace for years to come, which is just going to provide them enhanced stability. And then the third area that I would say is the concept of supply chains to everyone, everyone who went to the grocery store and couldn't find toilet paper, couldn't find the food they needed. And they're still working through it, but reevaluating how they manage their, their supply chains, whether that's dual sourcing, which regions that they rely on more critically, inventory management, just trying to de-risk the process. It had become so precise and so lean that I think we're going to see companies build back some flexibility and a little bit more inventory back into their processes. E-commerce, obviously, we continue and will continue to order more and more things online, and that's certainly enhanced during the during the pandemic. As you look at e-commerce and the impact that it can have, maybe already is having on Indiana, because you've got to have those goods, you know, at at some point to distri- distribute from. Does e-commerce really provide Indiana with uh, a unique opportunity? to to really grow in the logistics sector? Absolutely. And, I, and I, I honestly think that, you know, we're at the beginning stages of the e-commerce boom. We're not on the other side of it. You know, stay at home. Everyone changes their, their shipping habits. E-commerce in the second quarter of 2020 increases by 40% almost overnight. Trucking capacity, goods, warehouse, inventory, distribution, that puts so much pressure on the network. It's not a coincidence that Apple and these other companies have announced these big distribution facilities post-pandemic and e-commerce boom in Indiana. We're only going to see more of that. 60% of the U.S. population is can be reached within a day from Indiana. And as more and more people do not change their shopping habits, it is just going to put greater and greater demand for e-commerce, distribution, warehousing within the states. I think that we are going to see Jeffersonville become another playing field, Fort Wayne become another playing field, right? These are critical points for to access markets that are only going to continue to grow. Jeffersonville and the River Ridge Commerce Center, put in perspective, because that is such a massive site, getting so much attention, so much uh, connectivity there with Ports of Indiana and UPS across the river and Jeffersonville, the Ohio River, all those things coming together there. What's the potential as you look at that southeast region of the state uh, from a logistics standpoint? That is really one of the most advantageous areas of the state to be in. You've got access to the UPS World Port. We've got river barge access through the the port of of Louisiana. You've got east-west connectivity that's unparalleled through Nashville all the way to the West Coast. So I will be very interested to see as transit lanes evolve, Evansville and Jeffersonville, how quick they are to to see growth. Because, you know, we've talked to a lot of our partners that have been very sort of Asia dependent in their supply chains. And as dual sourcing or, or, their, or their supplier streams change and Central America becomes a bigger producer of critical goods, how that change from east-west to north-south is going to impact. You know, I think of the investments that the state has made in I-69, how timely that will end up being with more goods coming 
up and down from Mexico through Evansville. I'd be very interested to see how, as supply chains evolve, those two areas of the state become even more important. You know, a lot of ag bioscience companies that choose Indiana, uh, decide on Indiana as a home. They talk about infrastructure. They talk about location as big uh, components of their final decision. Anything you can say about where we are from standpoint of roads, rail, waterways, air, and maybe what we can see in the future? Number one state for pass-through interstates in the nation. Again, $650 billion worth of goods moves through our state each year. A lot of people don't realize that Indiana has deep water access. You can be in Italy in 18 days. You know, eighth, top 10 in truck tons, top 10 in rail, third in total freight railroad. However you get your goods, Indiana is is a leader in, in that in that mode. Uh, you, FedEx continues to grow and to be and to provide critical air cargo opportunities for the state. There's a wealth of options for any business. And we talk in partnership with the IEDC quite a bit about people that need to bring in heavy equipment from Europe and are able to do that on ocean vessels, again, through the, the port of Burns Harbor. That was part of the original goal of the State of Logistics Report is to, is to really emphasize we have these amazing options for businesses to come here. You don't look at Indiana and think ocean port access, but we have all these opportunities and we need to tell our story. Our trucking and our warehousing side of what we do is well known, but from an air cargo, rail, water transportation perspective, a lot of that is underappreciated. Well, you certainly paint a, a very promising picture, not only today, but importantly, going forward in the logistics sector. Bryce Carpenter, Vice President of Industry Engagement for Conexus Indiana. Bryce, really appreciate you joining us and look forward to seeing you in the future. Thank you. Good to talk to you today. All right. And thank you for tuning in to Season 4 of the Ag Bioscience Podcast. You can find more episodes on the latest in innovation, entrepreneurship, and talent in Indiana's ag bioscience space by visiting the news page at agronobusindiana.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick and produced by Kayla Chittister and Joe Ullery. More people get Indiana business news from Inside Indiana Business than any other source.